Hey everybody, it's Chris Campbell again, and welcome back to the Food Institute Podcast. We have a good one this week as we welcome Flavia Buckman of Notco to the show, and she's going to talk a bit about how their AI is influencing product development, but we're also going to talk a bit about consumer insights that are driving the category too. So you may have already seen it, but just in case you haven't, the Food Institute Podcast has its own LinkedIn page now. We're going to use it as a way to take a deeper dive into the episodes and the themes we cover, and we're really, really excited about it. So if you haven't already, please give us a follow there. And if you haven't followed the original, the OG Food Institute LinkedIn too, go check that one out as well. You can find links in the description of this episode. So with that all out of the way, we welcome NotCo Chief Marketing Officer Flavia Buckman to the show. How are you today? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to talk about NotCo and food. Yeah, and we're really looking forward to it. We recently launched a plant-based insider newsletter. There's obviously been a lot of, you know, interest in plant-based foods across the, you know, the globe really, especially here in the US since the start of the pandemic. We've really tracked a pretty strong growth curve. And I think it would be helpful for our listeners who may not be totally familiar with you or your company if you could start off by just giving a little bit of background there. So could you give a little bit of a background on your career and then we could jump into a little bit about Notco? Sure, absolutely. So I come from a career in marketing for a little over 20 years, uh, most of the time working with consumer goods. And a big part of that, the last 10 years before Nautico, I was with Coca-Cola, so working still with uh, already with the food and beverage industry. Um, I'm currently married with two kids. I'm Brazilian. I was born in Brazil, raised in Rio de Janeiro. I live in Atlanta here in USA. Now I live in New York. I also lived in Chile, in Santiago de Chile. So Chile is where Notco was based out of, correct? So that's it. Um, so Notco is a Chilean-based company that currently is in more than six countries, so including U.S., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, and the home Chile dedicated to produce foods with plant-based ingredients. We're going to talk a little bit more on how we do that, uh, why do we think it's important, uh, but I think to start, that's what we do when you can find here in U.S. our not milk. I think U.S. consumers are most familiar with not milk, but could you explain some of the other products that you make? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea behind Notco and the technology that allows that is that we can play in any single category. So we look for correspondences between the food that we are use it to eat and most of them or a lot of them are done with plant with animal based ingredients we look for the match in the vast universe of plant ingredients so far uh, we've launched not milk not ice cream not burger not meat not chicken in different formats and not mayo here in us only not milk, but more to come still this year. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on. And we'll also talk about some of the production processes, which are really interesting. But I kind of want to just start off here talking a little bit about your average consumer. You know, like I said earlier, we've been tracking plant-based in the U.S. with the Food Institute, you know, pretty heavily over the last two years. And we're finding, you know, the most important demographic here is not a vegetarian, not a vegan, but the flexitarian, people that are willing to try to wade into this. On a personal note, you know, I was a flexitarian and I decided this year to find become a vegetarian. So I know that there's a pathway there into that kind of diet. But at the beginning, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people right now are eating these products, but they're also eating meat. So I was just wondering, you know, what is your viewpoint taking a look at all these different customer demographics? Are you finding that flexitarian, you know, consumer the most important? What are you guys seeing on the ground there? Oh, for us, absolutely. Uh, the company started with the idea that we need to quickly 
reduce the impact that the food industry has on the environment. Uh, so when I empathize with your path to both as an executive and as a consumer, I also became vegetarian, then I became fully vegetarian or vegan in terms of uh, foods. But if you, depending on the source, you're going to find three, five, 10% of vegetarian in the U.S. and in uh, the big Western countries. That's not enough for us to change the way we produce uh, food if you think about mass production. Uh, so Nautico's point of view is that we need to change the industry before the consumers can change their habits. Uh, changing to a vegetarian diet is a changing habits, and it implies also to cut a lot of things that you've been uh, eating forever and that also attach it to you emotionally or to which you are attached emotionally. Uh, the food that your grandmother used to do or your father used to do, the things that they have been eating and craving for for years. So what we think is that, and I think it's related a lot with the current adoption uh, of more plant-based uh, foods and also the whole trends of even calling a group flexitarian, right? Like 10 years ago, we didn't even have this name, at least it was not well known and talked about in the industry. Um, because we know that most of people now, even the ones that 90% or 95% that are not, not ready for fully commit to a change in their diets, they are looking for uh, their consumption patterns and looking for consuming uh, more sustainable foods, better for the environment, better for the animal, better for ourselves. Um, and that's the, that's our main target. So although, of course, we do fully vegetarian food, uh, the way we communicate it is for taste. It's really so good and so similar to the food that you're used to eat that you can change without changing. You don't need to decide to go for a lentil burger that I personally like. But most of people, when they say a burger, we know what we have in mind, and that's a meat burger. So when we do a nut burger, we do it with the same texture, taste, um, nutritional value, and the same aspect of a meat burger, because that's what 90% of people crave. Yeah, and I think this is a good time to kind of talk about that production process. Something I think really has not co-standing out from the competition is one of your coworkers. I think we could put that in quotes, but can you tell me a little about Giuseppe? Because I think people would be really interested. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, Giuseppe is an interesting coworker. So I start by saying that's how we uh, lovely call our artificial intelligence algorithm. Uh, it's named it after Giuseppe Artimbodo, which was an Italian painter that used to do a portraits using fruits, vegetables, flowers. So it was an inspiration for us as well. And our overall uh, machine learning team, uh, it's compounded by, of course, the, the output itself, the, the, the Giuseppe, uh, but also a team of engineers, food scientists, and chefs that they work together to, and, I, and then I'm going to explain Giuseppe and what our algorithm does in a very non-scientific way that it helped me to understand how the, the science slash, slash magic works. The way Giuseppe works is, uh, being a machine learning uh, algorithm, you can learn a lot, you can keep learning, and you can understand information from a various, source, various sources. So basically, it's, there are two parts of it. One, uh, to understand what is a dish or a food. Uh, when I say burger, what do I mean in terms of taste, texture, uh, smells or aromas, uh, nutritional value? So, and color too, because color is important for foods. We learned that the hard way when we produced our first milk and it was blue because we hadn't uh, taught Giuseppe that 
color is an important attribute. So we, after that, we, we corrected it. So uh, Giuseppe starts to learn what people uh, talk about a burger. So what it is in terms of texture, taste, and all the, the variables that I, that I mentioned. And then it looks for uh, how those attributes are composed in a molecular level. It looks for the same composition in plant ingredients. We have more than 300,000 plants in the universe, and around 10% of that, 30-something, 30 35,000, uh, they are already deemed edible. But of course, the industry doesn't tap into all of that. I've heard once that 90% of our calories that come from plants, they are concentrated in 11 grains. So we don't explore uh, food diversity. So what Giuseppe tries to do is that there are many things that we didn't explore, and they might reproduce the same fluffiness, the same taste, the same attributes that an animal-based ingredient has. And that's why at the end you see not milk has cabbage on it, pineapple. And there was also my learning process at Nautico that pineapple has some aroma that is what they call the group of lactones. So it does smell like, like milk. But I would never think about that. And even if you, of course, put more technical people, uh, scientists or chefs, they still have their bias. And of course, we are more limited than uh, an algorithm. So what, what it does is to mimic uh, uh, animal-based foods using only plant-based ingredients, but trying to recreate the same experience. I think that's the key point. It does recreate the same experience of the animal-based uh, food. So I guess, what's the general timeline for a product rollout? Like, how fast does Giuseppe work? Is this something that's happening constantly? Is this something that you have to, like, focus it on? How does that product iteration kind of come come together? So Giuseppe, per se, works fast and constantly, uh, to the point that when I was living in Chile, at least twice a day, we're trying things that Giuseppe was suggesting and our chefs were uh, recreating, in a way that even things that we are not about to launch. So I was eating pasta i was eating several um sauces for that pasta just to train giuseppe because it's part of the learning that he would suggest the chefs would do and then correct some routes no no no, you didn't consider color that's how we learn uh, the example that i just gave or no it was uh, the texture was uh, was not that thick as you thought it would be um so giuseppe is always uh, producing things and it can be super fast because it learns uh it's, it gets faster and faster. Uh, or not milk took almost two years to be produced. Uh, and then there was a point when we were um, partnering with Burger King in Chile, we reproduced the Whopper in less than three months. So and I, I was in a meeting that one of our investors asked if you could create tuna. And in two weeks, we had a sample. After that, of course, to go to final production, I would say it's between six months and one year, because then we need sometimes to develop new ingredients or at least to connect with the supplier, with the vendors and understand what is available. And there's the all route to market uh, process to come. The creation is, I would say that's the fastest part, but then reality comes to play as well. <laughs> I was going to ask too, you know, you're saying that you have so many different ingredients that you can pull from, but I'm imagining the supply chains for some of these plants are like non-existent. So how involved do you get in finding suppliers? Do you try to set up your own supply chain? How does that work? Especially considering, you know, all the issues we're having at the ports today. How's that weighing on the business? Absolutely. That's the big part of our, our job is to develop alliance to some of the ingredient suppliers 
and to balance them. Sometimes we want to push for a different ingredient or a different format, um, but also balance that with uh, making sure we wouldn't be creating something that at the end would take five years to actually go to the market. So it's working closely with suppliers, pushing the boundaries, but also exploring what already exists. That is a lot. And one of the other things I'm thinking about here too, with that, you know, you're saying that Giuseppe works incredibly quickly and that he can basically create almost anything really. It seems like if you give him enough time, he'll be able to put that together. It's also interesting to be calling an AI by him or her, you know, it's something I think we get <laughs> a little bit more used to. I think Nako probably is already used to treating the AI as a coworker, but just taking a look at it, you know, how do you decide which product you're going to actually focus on next then? Um, I mean, one of the things I want to bring up here was uh, pre-calls that we had together, even looking at your website, it's about changing the food, not the way people eat, right? And it's something that you already touched on here. But what kind of goes into the decision-making when you have all these different variables available? What makes you decide that, hey, we're going after not milk. We're going to try to make that next. What kind of decisions are being made there that kind of bring you in that direction? Yeah, this is still very human-based. I'm sure Giuseppe could eventually uh, help on that. And we try to listen under brackets. Uh, I remember one case that there was a, a flavor of mayonnaise for chili that it was the, the, the recipe that Giuseppe got into was so good that ended up getting more points and being bumped to the list of lounges. But mostly what we do is to look into the bigger markets that want, where the environmental impact is also bigger. That's why meat is so important. Uh, major contributor, right, uh, to, to CO2 emissions. So we, we, we look into that and we want to be, the way you used to say, we want to, we want to occupy the dining table, the kitchen and the pantry. So we look for products that really people are in need for every day and that hasn't been explored as well. There's, there's no solution for it. I can say that uh, what not milk does it's unparalleled to any other plant-based milk that are also great. But um, with nut milk, you can cook with it. It foams. You can use with the coffee. There's no residual uh, nutty flavor because we don't have nuts on it. So we look for the greater impact. And that's pretty much a human analysis. So you're saying it's kind of a human task still picking which products made next. But you think that Giuseppe might have the ability to do that in the future? That's something you think it could kind of grow into? And so far, I mean, Giuseppe is not uh, working with market data, right? Uh, he doesn't know what people are consuming more or less. And that's not something that we are looking into. What we do is like innovation uh, on the other way around. If we see that at, by accident or because we were exploring one path, we ended up getting into a very good recipe for something else, we give it a try. So that also happens. Very interesting. So like we said at the start of the show, U.S. listeners are probably most familiar with not milk, but we did say that there's a bunch of different products there, right? So I'm wondering, is there going to be any other products that, you know, a U.S.-based consumer like me will be able to grab at this, you know, this year? Or is there anything on the table as far as expansion, you know, in the North American market coming? Yeah, I can guarantee yes. I can break the news. I cannot go into the details because we, we want to keep the surprise for the launch. But in the next months, you're going to see us expanding out of the dairy category. And that's in the U.S. market. In the U.S. Yeah, yeah. So that's really exciting. And Food Institute subscribers, you can make sure you keep an eye on our newsletters, especially the Plant-Based Insider, which comes out every Tuesday. We will definitely cover any information regarding new products from NotCo in the U.S., so keep an eye out there and you can follow a link in the description. You can sign up for that newsletter as well so you won't miss any updates. 
But I'd like to kind of flip that around a little bit at this point. One of the things that's really interesting about NACO is this international focus that you have, this international lens, I should say. So can you tell us a little bit more about the other markets, Flavia? Is the plant-based boom we're seeing in the U.S., is that isolated or is that something that's occurring across the globe? I'm happy to say it is happening across the board. And that's one of the greatest things of, uh, again, working with a global company. I love to know the interesting facts of different countries. I would say the U.S. is one of the most developed plant-based segments, for sure. Uh, For milk, for instance, um, it's around 15% of the total uh, milk uh, market is plant-based. Canada is very similar, and you're going to find some similarities also in Europe. Uh, When it comes to Latin America, the market is by no means uh, so developed. But you do find very interesting things in terms of flexitarian or the willingness to adopt uh, uh, less animal-based uh, uh, diets. That's everywhere. It's very similar, Petamar. Uh, if you go, for instance, like middle schoolers in, oh, sorry, high schoolers uh, in Chile, 60% of them, they declare that they want to go fully vegetarian at some point of their lives. So the trend is there and everywhere. And we also, we are, we are, discovering it and we are developing some of them. I think Argentina is the classic challenge. Uh, You probably know that Argentina is very known for their meat. Um, And we launched a partnership with the biggest um, food service and quick service restaurant chain there that is called Mostaza. And they're also culturally very connected to the idea of meat and being meat eaters. Um, We launched Not Burger there. And in less than a month, 10% of the sales of the chain was off Not Burger. So we are also being positively impressed by that. And I think that's a proof that it's not an intention. Consumers are already changing their patterns everywhere. All right. So I think the last question I have for you is just where can our listeners go if they want to learn a little bit about you know, not co and especially keep up to date with all of your recent announcements, especially that upcoming new US entrant. So where can they go to learn a little bit more about NACO? So we can start by notco.com. You're going to see a lot about our products. If you go all the way, if you're curious and go all the way to the bottom, you can change the country too and see what we have in other markets. Um, but you can know also about where to buy not milk, how is it done, know more about our story and about Giuseppe as well. Or, of course, you can go to our Instagram. The handle is notcous. And also, if you're curious, you can find the Notco, that's for Chile. You can find Notco MX for Mexico and so on and so forth, Canada too. If you browse Notco on Instagram, you're going to also know a little bit of our international story. Perfect. I really want to thank you for your time today. And we'll obviously share those links in the description of this episode. But yeah, once again, I want to thank you for sharing, you know, some of the personal stories, but also just showing that international perspective and also, you know, the really interesting aspects with Giuseppe, a really, really kind of unique and interesting way to create food products that you don't really see too often. So very cool stuff. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the space. Thank you all for listening. It's a pleasure really to talk about food revolution. All right. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Food Institute podcast. Please follow, like, and share. You know the drill. You can follow the links in the description of this episode to learn a little bit more about NotCo and also to find those links to the LinkedIn pages for the Food Institute and the Food Institute podcast and also a link to sign up for the Plant-Based Insider. So with that all said, this is Chris Campbell signing off. (music) 